welcome to another inspirational podcast from Abundant Life Church, where we believe that God is a good God. He loves you and he wants to bless you. Now join us as we dive into today's message. Come on, are you glad you came to church on Easter Sunday? I love it. And um, we do welcome everybody that's watching online today. God loves you so much. Jesus loves you so much. And uh, man, he's, he's meeting you right where you are today. And so just remain connected with us this morning. If you can, turn with me in your Bible, book of Luke, chapter 24. Uh, we're going we're gonna to read in verse 13, book of Luke, chapter 24, we're going to read in verse 13. And, 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 the, and the portion of scripture that I want to read this morning uh, takes place immediately after Jesus, of course, has conquered death in the grave, after he's been risen, this is after the moment that... Uh, he met Mary in the garden after the disciples came in and peeked in at the empty tomb only to see that the linen clothes that he was wrapped in was neatly folded. This is after all of that. And um, we find that in the book of Luke chapter 24 that there are a couple of Christ followers that are walking on a road. And the Bible says this in verse 13, Now behold, there was two of them traveling that same day to a village called Emmaus. Say with me this morning, Emmaus. Which was seven miles from Jerusalem. And they talked together of all these things which had happened. And so it was while they conversed and reasoned that Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were restrained so they did not know him. And he said to them, what kind of conversation is it that you have with one another as you walk and are sad? Verse 18, then the one whose name was Cleopas answered and said to him, are you the only stranger in Jerusalem? And have you not known the things which have happen there in these days? And he said to them, oh, I love Jesus. What things? <laughs> oh, Jesus, I love your sense of humor. And then these two disciples or two followers of Christ go on to explain to Jesus about Jesus what had taken place, how Jesus was betrayed and how he was arrested and how he was beaten and how he was crucified on a cross and then he was buried and, and they even get to the end of, of, of their explanation about who Jesus is to Jesus and they tell him and there's some friends of ours that happen to encounter some angels that said he's no longer in the tomb so when they peeked into the tomb they didn't see Jesus was there but we don't know we weren't there. And Jesus, in his quick response, he, again, he doesn't let them know that he's Jesus, by the way. <laughs> he says, you foolish ones. Now, if someone corrected me in that moment and said foolish one, I might have thought, hold on a second, who's talking to me right now? But Jesus says, you foolish ones, don't you understand? And he begins to talk about how the scriptures that needed to be fulfilled and ultimately that the Son of God would rise up and be glorified. But here's where I want us to bring 
our, our attention just this last couple of scriptures. And it says this in verse 28. Then they drew near to the village where they were going, and he indicated that he would have gone further. But they constrained him, saying, Abide with us, dwell with us, remain with us. For it is towards evening, and the day is far spent. And he went to stay with them. Now it came to pass that as he sat at the table, he took the bread, he blessed it, broke it, and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened, and they knew that it was him, and vanished from their sight. And I love this. Verse 32 says this, last scripture. And they said to one another, Did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us on the road? I just want to speak to you from one simple title line this Resurrection Sunday, this Easter morning. Just one simple line, whether you want to take notes or not, I just wanted to communicate this to you, the seven-mile stretch. The seven-mile stretch. For seven miles, there was these two followers of Christ that were walking from Jerusalem to a village that was called Emmaus. And as they were walking on these seven-mile stretch... The way that they started the journey was not the way that they ended the journey. And I came to tell you this morning, the way that you start your journey is not the way that it has to end in the sense that maybe you might have started in a place of your life that feels unfulfilled. Maybe you're in a place of your life that maybe it's been broken or it's heavy or it's confused. Maybe you came in this morning feeling overwhelmed or, or maybe you're in this place this morning and you just feel oppressed or, or there's been some, some sense of confusion in your life. I came to tell you, the way that you came in is not the way that you have to leave this morning. And the Bible says that these two disciples, as they were walking on a road to Emmaus, which, by the way, the reason why I had you say Emmaus is because the town or the village Emmaus, it simply means a place. Just a place. There, 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 there is no breakdown. There is no definition. There, there, there is no explanation of what Emmaus is. In fact, if you look in the original text, it is a village that is unidentified. And here's these two followers of Christ going to an unidentified place. And I want to tell you this morning is that when you don't have Jesus, you're going to find yourself just going to unidentified places. In other words, you're going to find yourself walking on roads that are purposeless rather than purpose-driven or purposeful. And Jesus came so that you would have life and have it more abundantly, have it to the fullest. Satan came to steal, kill, and destroy. Satan came to steal your purpose. He came to kill your destiny. He came to destroy every single thing that Jesus accomplished on the cross. But I want to tell you this morning that the finished work on the cross is so that you can live and breathe and have an abundant life in Christ Jesus. The devil would love nothing more for you to just to be on a road to nowhere. But I'll tell you this, when you're with Jesus, you're on a road to somewhere great. You're on a road to somewhere great. You're on a road to somewhere great because our God is great and greatly 
to be praised. And these two followers of Christ, they're, they're, they're on the road and they don't realize that it's Jesus that is uh, accompanying them. And, and here they are and they're, 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 talking about, they're, they're, ta- they're talking about Jesus in front of Jesus. Have you ever been in the company of somebody that you knew of but you did not know them personally and you begin to talk about them to their face only to find out, hold on a second, I was actually talking about you the whole time and you feel a little foolish, you feel a little awkward, feel a little uncomfortable. That's what you said, you foolish ones. Fool, don't you know who you're talking to right now? (laughs) But the interesting thing is this, these two men, they're on their way from Jerusalem. Why is that important? Because Jerusalem was the place where Jesus, yes, he was arrested. Jerusalem was the place that he was beaten. It's a place that he was betrayed. It was a place that he was absolutely just, just humiliated and, and mutilated and scourged with all the, the lashes from the whips, a place where he was crucified. We know that, that, that that's where all this, but it was also the place that he was buried. And it was also where the resurrection was. Now, wh- why is that so important? Because as these men were traveling on the road, their conversation was one that left them lamenting in this type of conversation that was sad because Jesus says, why is your conversation sad? Why is the conversation so sad? And, and they thought that at that moment that Jesus was the one that was going to save Israel. They thought that he was the one that was going to be the, the coming king. They thought that he was the one that was going to bring hope. But they, they killed this one that they had followed for this three plus years of his ministry. But he's not here anymore. Have you ever been to the movies in which the movie ends on this big moment. But, but you feel like there was justice that was still yet to be accomplished. And you walked away from that movie and you said, man, that was a good movie. You know, I know, I know ultimately it told a good story. But you didn't stay for after the credits. Only to find out that there was just a little bit more to the story. And that extra little nugget, that extra little Easter egg, pun intended, is the very thing that sets up for the sequel that's about to come out. See, these two followers, what they did was they were walking away from the death and from the burial, but they didn't hang out to find out that what was about to come next after the movie had concluded and after the credits had rolled was that there was an additional scene by which Jesus was going to step out of that grave as the resurrection. And so here's Jesus walking next to them, and I love it, the Bible says that he drew near to him. See, some of us We've allowed things in our life to cause our hearts to grieve and to become sad to the point that we have walked away from the things of God. We have walked away from from, from living our life for the Lord. Oh, we'll come on Easter Sunday because this is great and this is what we're supposed to do. But we are not living, this is why I said God does not want just a yes out of your lips. He wants the yes with your heart. And if you leave from here and you don't feel a holy conviction of something that God wants to do in your heart, then we've missed it. Because I'll tell you this every day, Lord, I want you to convict my heart. Not condemn me because Jesus did not come to condemn, but he came to convict the world of sin, 
righteousness, and judgment. Jesus came to encounter you as you are, but he doesn't want to leave you the way that you are because he has greater for your life. And so these two disciples, they're walking away and they're heavy and they're sad and they're broken. But I love this. Even in the midst of their travel to a place of nowhere, Jesus rolls up on them and he begins to draw close to them. I'll tell you what today, you'll be going into your week this week and all of a sudden, watch out because the presence of God will encounter you. He'll draw close to you. Some of you have tried to get so far away from the goodness of God, the love of God. Maybe church has done you wrong. Maybe, maybe, maybe you've had people that, that haven't treated you right. Maybe you have had a poor representation of Christ that, that, that has been a, a poor example for your life. But I'm here to tell you what, that Jesus, he loves you. People are not perfect, but Jesus is. And so I came to tell you this morning is that Jesus will draw near to you. He desires to draw near to you. He wants to be close to you. And that's the thing that I thought was interesting, is that these two men, they were on a road from Jerusalem, the place of the burial, the death, and resurrection. But I thought about this. The resurrection is not a place. See, he died on Calvary, so his death was at a, at a given location. He was buried in a tomb. That was in a location. But if I remember correctly, when Jesus' best friend, Lazarus, when Lazarus was dead, and his sister came to him and said, if you only would have been here earlier, I love that, his best friend, and he waited two days to go and help him out. It's a great best friend. But his sister comes to him, Martha, and says, if you would have been here, but... I do believe that in the last day, you know, he'll rise again because of the resurrection. And Jesus says, I am the resurrection. And what I wanted to tell you about that was this, is that the resurrection is not a place. The resurrection is a person. The resurrection is Jesus. And when you have Jesus everywhere that you step foot, you can live a life of victory. You can live a life of power. You can live a life that you will know that God is a good God and he's with you in all things. That you're more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. That there's no devil in hell that can keep you from who God has called you to be. He is the way. He is the truth. He is is the life. He is the resurrection. Resurrect means to be revived, to come to life again. When you let Jesus in, you'll come to life again. Maybe you've been in some broken and dry places. Let Jesus draw close to you and you will come to life again. And these disciples are walking with Jesus and as Jesus begins to expand from the very time of Moses all the way to his existence, he's breaking down the scriptures. He's speaking life to these men to the point where when they are sitting down to have dinner and he breaks the bread and they have this moment, they said, our hearts burned within us. I came to ask you this morning, does your heart burn within you for the things of God? Does your heart burn within you for the things of God? Uh, earlier this week, um, we were uh, taking some time to pray. And so my wife and I, we, uh, we threw on like a little worship song in the background, and we, we worshiped for a couple of minutes, and, and, um, and we, we were tired too. It was at the end of the day, and, uh, and it was one of those ones where it was like, okay, Lord, we'll, we'll, we'll do, you know, we'll do 10 minutes. You know, we'll put on one of those lengthy worship ballads and, 
And then after that, we'll pray. And so we started to do that. And I was like, no, no, no. I got I to gotta get, like, my, my energy up. You know, I got to rain down heaven. And so, you know, we got done worshiping. And, um, and we sat down on the couch. And, man, I just begin to pray. And I'm like, Lord, and I declare this. And I declare that. And, I, and I'm going, like, all on this whole thing, right? And my wife was sitting next to me. And she, she, was, she was feeling a little tired. It was funny. Before we actually started worshiping and praying, she was like, can can we spend some time together before the Lord? I said, yeah. She was like, are you going to take one of those lengthy showers that you take every night? I was like, ah. It was true. She said, but she said this, she goes, don't make me dawdle for 10 minutes while you camp out in the shower. I love camping out in the shower. The Lord meets me there. The warmth of that water just does something. I feel like God's encountering me in every moment. She's like, hurry up. It's like, get out, right? So here we are, and we're praying. And I mean, I'm getting in, I'm getting in. And I'm like, done. And I'm like, yeah, I felt good. Heaven moved, quarter of an inch. It's awesome. And I look at her, and she had not moved at all. And I'm thinking to myself, that prayer was good. And so I'm like, did I pray her to sleep? Did I do something wrong? <laughs> I know I was somewhat loud enough, like, and, and, and I looked over at her and I was like, all right, fine, your turn. You go. She said this one prayer, just this one line. And she said, Lord, let us just know you deeper. That's all. And when she just whispered that, Lord, we just want to know you deeper, my heart just got so on fire because I was like, at the end of the day, God, my existence in this earth is just to know you. Jesus just wants to know you. He longs for your heart. He longs for your heart. And that's why it's important. The resurrection, it's not a place. The resurrection, it's not an event. It's an encounter. God wants to encounter you. He doesn't want this weekend to be about an event. He wants it to be about an encounter. He wants that when you leave from here, that your heart burns for him, that you're not waiting 365 days to come back to another service, but you can't wait to get back into what God wants to do by being in his presence. He longs to draw close to you. He longs to have your heart. He desires to be close to you because he wants to do something great in your life and greater in your life, and that only will come when we allow him to get close to us. And so... The disciples are on the road to Emmaus and Jesus is with them. And, and I love this because the Bible says that Jesus would have gone on further. But they said, Jesus, will you abide with us? See, here's the thing. God is looking for those that are willing to open up their door and let them abide or him abide with us. Jesus was willing to go on to the next person or we don't even know what. The Bible doesn't tell us what was the very next thing. But what, 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 what we do know is this, is that their hearts burned so much that they said, can you dwell with us for a little longer? We know the day is far spent. We know that you could keep going. But God's just looking for burning hearts that are willing to say, Lord, my heart is open. Will you dwell with me? Will you be in me? Will you, will you draw close to me? I don't want to do this life in my flesh. I don't want to do this life on my own. I don't want to do this life because I've done it so long in my own strength. And, and I've only gotten so far. And I'm here to tell you when you let him abide inside of you. 
There is great and mighty things that he wants to do in your life. Great and mighty things that you don't even know of. The Bible says that eye hasn't seen and ear hasn't heard or even entered into the heart. The things that God's prepared for those that love him. And so I'm asking you this morning, do you truly love him? Enough to allow him to abide in every area of your life. Everywhere that you go, because he's got great things prepared for your life, awesome things prepared for your life. He's got spiritual blessings for your life and earthly blessings for your life. He doesn't want one person in here to walk out of this place not knowing that your needs cannot be met and overflowing with his goodness. So the Bible, it says that they ask him to dwell and remain. I ask you this morning... Would that be your heart's desire for Jesus to dwell and remain? Not just on Resurrection Sunday, but every day. Not just on Sundays, but every day. When you wake up tomorrow morning, is the door still open for him to abide in your heart? Because Jesus didn't come for religion, he came for the relationship. He came to empower you. He came to equip you. He came to strengthen you. He came so that you know that you're more than a conqueror and you've got victory in his name. He wants to heal your hearts today. He wants to heal the broken places today. He wants to do a fresh and a new thing in your life today because he loves you. He loves you. He loves you. And so Jesus is with these two disciples, and now he enters into this house and he abides with them. And the Bible says, as he sat down, he took the bread, <laughs> he blessed it, he broke it, and he gave it. Now, I thought about that for a second. Isn't that interesting, that line? He blessed the bread, he broke the bread, he gave the bread. You know, there's only two other places in the Bible that that line of text is used, and one of those is a few chapters earlier in the Last Supper as Jesus is sitting around the table with the disciples, and, and, and they're taking Holy Communion, and, and he says to them as he grabs the bread, and he blesses it, and he breaks it, and he gives it, and he says, do this in remembrance of, remember me when you're doing this. And it's amazing that after he blessed and he broke and he gave the bread, that all of a sudden these two men that did not recognize who he was remembered who he was. At the point of blessing, at the point that the bread was broken, and at the point that it was given, But there's another part of the Bible in the Gospels, and in fact, it's recorded in all four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. One of the most infamous and powerful stories, feeding of the 5,000. Many of us, we've read that, we've heard it, it's been preached to us more times than we care to think about. But I begin to think about how in the feeding of the 5,000, we always talk about it as just a story of a mighty miracle in which it was. It's recorded in all four Gospels. Over 5,000 people were fed off of five loaves and two fish. That's pretty epic. Which tells me this, no matter what you have in your hand, no matter how small, how little, God can use what you have. So don't minimize what you have 
allow God to maximize what he can do. So some of us, we, we, we've allowed certain areas and things in our life to be deemed and considered as worthless and nothing. But Jesus doesn't look at you and see you as junk. He doesn't see your life as worthless. He didn't pay the ultimate price on the cross because he looked at you and he said, eh, wish you could be a little bit better. No, 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 no. That's why I said earlier, he didn't die so that bad people, bad people could become good. He came so that he could resurrect you to life. And the very thing that maybe you've given up on in your life is the very thing that the Lord wants to resurrect today. Maybe it's a dream. Maybe it's a business plan. Maybe it's your family to be saved and to encounter the Lord. It doesn't matter what it is. Today, when you allow your heart to be open for Jesus to abide in you, he will resurrect that thing that you have given up on because he didn't give up on you. Jesus didn't give up on you. He's never given up on you. He's never walked away from you. Oftentimes we say, God, where are you? And he's saying, where are you? I never left you. I never forsook you. And so we have this picture in Mark's gospel in chapter 6, and it's the, the feeding of the 5,000. And this, 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 this young man comes onto the scene with five loaves and two fish, and he gives it to Jesus, and Jesus already knew what he was going to do. And so he takes the, the bread and he blesses it. Blessing. Blessing is the empowerment upon your life to have success. So when someone says to you, be blessed, what they're doing is they're encouraging you to have good success. It's not a feel-good spiritual response. I'm blessed today. I'm blessed today, but I can't pay my bills. I'm blessed today. My family's not serving the Lord. I'm blessed today, and I've got all kinds of sickness in my body. You're blessed to walk in good success and victory in Christ Jesus, who can and does and will heal your body, and who can prosper you. But before we just start throwing around that word as if it's just some make-me-feel-good spiritual word, understand that the word blessing is that you're blessed to have good success and to be prosperous and victorious. And Jesus, he looks at this bread and he says, I bless you to now prosper because there's over 5,000 people here that need to be fed. Go prosper and fill. But after he blesses it, he breaks it. We understand in the Bible that Jesus, he was broken so that we could be made whole. And then he gives it, because at the end of the day, Jesus is in the giving business. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever would believe in him wouldn't perish, but you'll have an everlasting life in, in him. And so God wants you to have success, and God wants you to be whole, and God's given you salvation and freedom that comes in him and him alone. And one of the most beautiful miracle stories in the Bible, but really it's depicting Jesus' mission on this earth and what his purpose was when he was going to leave from this earth. He blessed, he broke, he gave. And the disciples are sitting around the table and they remember, hold on a second, God's a good God. He loves me. 
He wants to bless me. Jesus breaks it. He says, hold on a second. Was it out of the brokenness so that we could be healed? He gave it. Oh, yeah, that's right. Because Jesus loves us so much that he was willing to give of himself. And see, in the feeding of the 5,000, the story unfolds and it says that everyone was filled till they wanted no more. Could I tell you this? Could I submit this this morning? That if there was more people that was in attendance of this service, more people would have continued to eat? That the miracle didn't just cap off? because there was no more bread and fish that could continue to be distributed. It was as they continued to eat till they were filled and they wanted no more. Say, Pastor, what are you trying to tell me this morning? Is that the goodness of God, that who Jesus is, needs to continue to go on and on and on, not just for my life to be filled, but so my household can be filled. And when my household is filled, then my community is filled. And when my community is filled, our county can be filled. And our state can be filled. And our nation can be filled. I'm here to tell you today, we are still one nation under God. I'm here to tell you today is that Jesus is Lord over all. He's Lord over the Oval Office. <laughs> He's Lord over your executive office. He's Lord over everything. And the whole world will know, for my Bible says that every knee shall bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, that the anointing will continue to flow. He wants to fill you today. He wants to abide in you today. He wants your heart to burn. Jesus, let us have burning hearts. See, the seven-mile stretch is really the distance between your head to your heart. Jesus does not want you to have head knowledge of who he is. He doesn't want you to just have a gnosis. He wants you to have an epinosis. He wants you to have an experience, an encounter with him. Because it means nothing if I just know a lot of Jesus, but I don't personally know Jesus. And there's a lot of people here this morning, we know a lot about God. But do you actually know Him? Do you actually fellowship with Him? Do you actually encounter Him? Because until you're in the place of encountering Him, being close to Him, things won't fully change in your life. The finished work of the cross is not just for salvation and eternity and my name written in the Lamb's book of life. He didn't just die for that, but he died for every area of your life. He died so that you could be healed in your body. He died so that you could be renewed in your mind. He died so that you could walk in love and in joy and in peace. He died so that you could be prosperous and be blessed financially, physically, spiritually, mentally, every area of your life. This is more than just a, I know Jesus because I watched a few movies on TV. This is, do you know him? Do you daily encounter the Lord? Do you daily experience the goodness of God? That is the flame that I do not want to ever be quenched in my life. That is the fire that I want to stir up inside of me every day 
of my life. I want to ask you this morning, are you flammable or are you fireproof? Can God set the flame and allow your heart to burn? There's this thing playing sports and, and working out and exercise that when you, when you stretch, you stretch to the point that you feel the burn in your muscles. Some of us, are, our hearts need to be stretched and to feel the burn of God again. We've allowed our lives to become so cold and so jaded and so guarded. We've allowed the lies of the world. We've allowed the culture of the world. We've allowed the nonsense of the world to creep into the church to the point that now we as the church, not the building, but the people of God have compromised. And so what we do is we come to church services and, and we want messages about love. Oh yeah, because God loves. Oh, and we want, we want messages about blessing. Oh yeah, God wants me to bless well, what about sin? What about the compromise? What about the fact that the things that you've allowed in your life has caused the flame? Oh, we don't want to talk about that. Oh, God forbid we talk about that. We don't, no, we don't want that. Jesus did not die so you could have a comfortable life. No. He didn't die so that it would be easy. He died so that you could have a fruitful life, a victorious life. And it requires your heart to stretch, and it's not comfortable because stretching is not always comfortable. But you know when you're loose and you're limber, <laughs> when your heart becomes pliable and moldable, when your heart is set ablaze for Him, you know that there's something inside of you that says, with my God, I am unstoppable. And the devil has tried to stop you in your tracks, but the Spirit of God is saying, can I light the flame in your heart again? On this Resurrection Sunday, can resurrection power light the flame of your heart so that you will know that with me you are unstoppable? Do your hearts burn for God? Do you burn for Him? Lord, let us be a people that burns for you. Just as those two disciples said, did not our hearts burn when we walked with him? Oh God, let us not be complacent. Let, let this life in you not be one that is comfortable. Lord, let it be a life that would cause us to be consecrated before you. to get rid of the junk, to get rid of the nonsense. Lord, let the fire burn inside of us. Let the fire be lit. Thank you for listening. We trust that what you heard today has encouraged you to live the abundant life. For more information about our ministry, please visit us on our website, AbundantLife.tv, or follow us on Instagram at AbundantLife underscore TV and Facebook at Come to Life. And remember, God is a good God. He loves you and he wants to bless you.